So we, uh, we are getting into the last part of Second Thessalonians. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to chapter 3. We're going to wrap it up today. Uh, I wanted to back up, though, and look at the forest so we don't lose it in the midst of the trees, so to speak, and, and just remind you that uh, how we started this journey in chapter 1 was uh, acknowledging that in God's Word, He tells us that there are at least three sources that you and I have to have clarity in life. And that clarity can mean applied to the world we live in, the culture we live in, or it can mean applied within the body of Christ that we're going to look at today. Uh, And the three sources, of course, as you are probably not going to be surprised at, is number one, your relationship with Christ. As you pray, and I pray as we develop our personal relationship with Christ, Prayer in Scripture is referred to two kinds of things. One is talking to him. God says, spill, spill your heart out. Uh, tell him what is on your mind, what is going on in your life. It's not going to be a surprise to him. That's good for us. But it is also, when it comes to prayer and our relationship with Christ, it's also about not just talking, but listening. Listening and to his prompting, his voice that he will speak to you even right now if you're willing to hear, if you're willing to listen. So that is, of course, one source of clarity. The second source that Paul deals with off and on throughout Second Thessalonians is also God's written word. And no big surprise if you've been around at New Hope uh, for any time. For, for God's word to bring clarity, it's not just about knowing more, it's about doing more. It's not just about knowing, but responding to the truth of his word. As I respond and not just simply know, then more clarity will come into my life, both outside the walls and inside the church, so to speak. Number three is the church. It's the relationships that you and I have with one another. Uh, and, and when I say clarity, or refer to, to Christians bringing clarity into your life, I'm actually talking about people, of course, that are actually following Christ, not just wearing the cross around their neck. It is actually people who are not perfect, but they're seeking to follow Christ. That is the people that are going to help, you, help give you and I clarity when we need it. Now, this morning, I want us to specifically look at setting healthy boundaries. It is one thing, I think you would agree, to set healthy boundaries with the culture, with the world, so to speak. What I'm not going to allow into my life, what I'm going to protect against. Because to a degree, that is abstract. But what Paul does is he shifts the focus and he goes to the body of Christ. And it's another thing, is it not, to set healthy boundaries with people you know. Hello, are you there? Set healthy boundaries with people you care about. That's what Paul's focusing on today, is dealing with that second. So in in a very real way, if we look at the the book of 2 Thessalonians, the the boundaries, the, the... healthy boundaries we're called to have is not unlike fences on property. When you see a fence, it's pretty clear whether it's out in the country or it's in a neighborhood, it's pretty clear that's a person's property inside the fence. And then there's another fence with property. You know that's another person's, right? It it makes it real clear. I like how Dr. Uh, Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend, they've written a number of books on relational boundaries, as many of you may know. And one of the things they say in one of those books is this, boundaries help us determine who is responsible for what. If we understand who owns what, 
we then know who must take responsibility for it. So what's the bottom line? When you and I don't have healthy boundaries set in place in our relationships with one another, we will tend to take responsibility for other people's lives in ways we shouldn't. Flip the coin over. When somebody is immature in their faith and there aren't boundaries, proper and healthy boundaries in between believers, then sometimes they're going to want to dump some of their mess into your life, right? If, don't point fingers. You ever met somebody that wants you to take responsibility for their life? They've been irresponsible, but they then turn around and want to dump the mess in your lap and ask you to fix them, Right? That will happen if we do not know when to set healthy boundaries. So Paul, in this book, he does basically two things from my perspective. In the first two chapters, through verse 5 and chapter 3, he speaks of clarity in the culture. How do you set boundaries in the culture and have clarity in the world that we live in that contradicts Christ and his word? But now we're getting into the hard part. He's going to spend this very last section in chapter 3 on clarity within the body of Christ. Clarity between you and other believers when it comes especially to setting healthy boundaries. So we're going to see why we should do this. Hey, listen, I know this is not easy. I'm not going to tell you this is easy to do. I'm just telling you it's the right thing to do, and it's the healthy thing to do. And God's Word is going to show us that this is valuable, to actually take God at His Word and practice what it says. Let's look at verse 6. Look at how Paul starts out addressing the body of Christ in Thessalonica. He said, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, that is Paul and Silas and others, we command you, brothers and sisters, he's talking to the body, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. Then Paul, in verses 7 through 10, I'm not going to read and take the time to, to uh, talk about today, but he basically says, we are an example of how to do this. We've been good examples for you to follow. Then he picks back up in verse 11, and he says, we hear that some, there's, there's a small group, some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not, I love this part, they are not busy, they are what? Busy bodies, we'll come back to that. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. In other words, take responsibility for their life. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Verse 14, take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Then he says, verse 15, Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. So I want you and I to consider two brief things this morning. First of all, in verse 6, what are the triggers? How do you know when it is time to do the hard thing? Have the hard conversation with another fellow believer, somebody you care about. How do you know when it is time to set a healthy boundary? Well, Paul addresses that in verse 6. And I want you to notice that this is not a suggestion. What did he say? We what? 
We com- he, said, he didn't say, I suggest to you. He said, we command you. Now, before you go to we command you, notice the part before that because it's important because he says, in the name of, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you. So Paul is saying this is coming from Christ, not from man. This is based in who Christ is. So when somebody is consistently contradicting the character of Christ, that is a trigger for you and I to set a healthy boundary, to have a conversation with the person and set some space up. And and here's why. Look at verse 6 again. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, the larger body of Christ, the mature believers, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive. Now that sounds rather harsh because I know how we think today, right? Sounds judgmental. But he's not saying that in order to hurt the person, it's actually to help them and to help your own sanity in the process, as we're going to see later in the passage. So let's look, first of all, at what he is saying, and then we'll look to the problem. He's saying, keep away from, he's not at this point in this church saying, kick them out of the church. That's not what that language is. It means create some space between you and that person. We'll dig into that in just a a little bit more in just a moment. In Corinth, in the church, this is free, in the church of Corinth, he did say kick some people out because they were committing adultery and even incest and all kinds of immoral things purposely and willfully and and were hostile even towards Christ. So there is a place when you say you can't be in this fellowship and it wasn't, even then it wasn't for the purpose of judging, it was the hope that they would hit a wall and come to Christ, that they would turn back to Christ. In this case, he's not saying boot them out, he's saying deal with them but set some space. Set some boundaries within the body of Christ. That's important to note here. Now, what, he, what, it, what is the problem here exactly? Here, we don't know all the details, but he says they're idle and disruptive. Now, that word idle doesn't necessarily mean lazy. Some translations kind of assume that, and it's not necessarily the case. The emphasis of the word, it's actually one word in the New Testament that is being translated with two uh, to try to get the meaning across. You see, the word idle and disruptive in the the New Testament language refers to a self-inflicted disorderliness about their life, a self-inflicted irresponsibility about their life, and the form of the word will see this later too, is this is a pattern, not a happenstance. This is a norm for this person. In other words, they're refusing to grow up. You ever met a person who refuses to grow up? Maybe you're living with one that refuses. I don't know. That's another discussion, right? But nonetheless, we all fall short of the glory of God, right? We all sin. We're all on the same page on that? Anybody free of sin in the room? Let, Let me speak to you later, because we're not. God's word says we all That's not the point. The point here that Paul's talking about is not those and everybody that that sins, that falls short of God's word of Christ on occasion. He's talking about somebody who's choosing willfully to live that way as a norm. That's the deal here. And they are being irresponsible about their life and then then they're asking others in the body to take responsibility for parts of their life that that person should not. And maybe in some cases, out of at least what they think is love, they do. So they are idle, and they are disruptive at the same time. Now listen, let's get honest. It's easier to ignore this, isn't it, than to deal with it? Okay, good. (laughs) We're all on the same page. Everybody's going, yeah. Yeah, of course it is. 
but the problem is it doesn't get better. We're, and the problem is that's not love because they start here and it doesn't get better. Immaturity causes more and more destruction to their own lives, much less the irritant to yours. So it's not love to just ignore when there truly is a pattern that needs to be addressed, a boundary that needs to be set, a healthy boundary in a person's life. It's easier to ignore, but it's not better. It's easier to ignore and just kind of move on, but it's not what God says to do, right? Y'all with me? You understand? This is, I know this is hard, and we're going to get to the, the hard part and the steps we got to take. He, he then says in the second part of, of verse 6, I want you to notice that he says, keep away from every believer who's idle and disruptive. And look at the second part. They're not only contradicting the character of Christ, they're actually contradicting God's written word, the revealed truth. Because he says that separate from them, do not keep away from that do not, that does not live according to the teaching you have received from us. That is God's truth, God's word from Christ. And again, again, the form of does not, does not live according to is a pattern. It is a form that refers to somebody who is willfully living in contradiction to God's word. It's not talking about everybody that falls short on occasion. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. He's talking about patterns that are willfully done. And they have no excuse according to Paul. Why do I say that? Look at verse 6, the very end of it. What does he say? You're ignoring God's word. You're not living. These are people in some cases that are do not live according to the teaching. What does he say? You. Who's the you? Everybody. Because when Paul would write a letter, they would stand up and read it to the whole church. And then teachers would take it and expound. Here's what this truth means. Kind of like we're doing right now. And explain what this means. So everybody knows what the truth is, including the ones that were refusing to grow up. And we're being irresponsible about their lives and trying to hand off their mess into the lives of others. So he's saying, create some space, set a boundary, have a conversation, say, you know what? You can make your choices, but I'm not going to participate. And so Paul, in essence, says there's two triggers that you and I can watch for and be discerning about when it comes to the time to set a healthy boundary with somebody you care about. Number one, it, the trigger is when there is a pattern of contradiction of both the character of Christ and God's written word that we both know. And they're aware that it's a contradiction, but they're choosing to live otherwise. When that becomes a pattern, that becomes a problem. And number two, he says the trigger is when there is a need no, to no longer look, come on, enable them. When I participate, I'm doing what? I'm enabling them not to grow up. You know that. It, it, I, it is not love for me to go along with the mess, right? Now, we're not talking about judgment. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about setting healthy boundaries in order to actually be a help. Now, let's look at the, the, the second part, verses 11 through 15. He then shows us what is required to take the steps to set healthy boundaries when that is needed with any kind of relationships. And, and the first one is discernment. Discernment about what? Glad you asked. Let's look at verses 11 through 13 to start with. He says, we hear that some among you, again, are what? Idle and disruptive. They're choosing to be irresponsible as a pattern and norm of life, and they are not busy 
He's playing on words, but he's making a point. They are busy, but busy with the wrong stuff. Busy bodies. You know what a busy body is, right? Perhaps you've met one in your life at times. You see, that word in the New Testament literally means to be working around and about and to be in constant distracting motion. You ever met somebody just waste your time? Again, don't name names. Maybe I've been that person at times. It's just a nuisance. And you walk away from the conversation or you walk away from something with the person and you think, oh, I'll never get that back. <laughs> Come on, we can be honest for a second, can't we? It's like just this big, enormous waste of time. And sometimes if we don't do what's right and what's needed, it's going to keep happening. And neither you or them is going to be helped in the process. It is not healthy. To, to not have boundaries, to not have healthy, godly, Christ-like boundaries in our life. So look at what Paul does, though, in verses 11 through 13. He not only addresses the need to address the need and quit running away from it and quit ignoring it, but then he addresses the immature believers that refuse to grow up in verse 12. Look at what he says to them when he acknowledges they're not busy. They're not taking care of the things in life they ought to be taking care of. They're trying to meddle in other people's lives and tell them how to do it when their, their life is a big fat mess. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, such people, he's talking directly to them now. Look, I love the language. He says, such people, verse 12, such people we command and urge, again, in the Lord Jesus Christ, as Christ is your foundation, we all have this relationship with him, to what? Settle down. If you've raised kids, you've used that word, right, or that phrase. Settle down already. Kids growing up, they've just got all this energy, like, hyperactive bouncing off the walls and sometimes you just have to tell your kids before they hurt themselves settle down and that's what this means quit running around in circles and be quiet sit still have some stillness in your life so he's appealing to them to grow up directly but i want you to notice something interesting in verse 13 he then shifts the focus to the mature believers the body of christ the ones that need to set the healthy boundaries and look at what he says to them. Did you see it? He says to them in verse 13, and as for you, brothers and sisters, the broader body of, of believers, as for you, what does he say? Never tire of doing what is good. Now, why did Paul say that? My guess is that Paul said that as some people felt burned. You ever had good intentions and felt like somebody used you? Yeah. He's saying, don't give up on doing good. You see, the, the, the phrase doing good means to live a virtuous life inspired by Christ. And he's saying, don't let a bad experience stop you from continuing on to living a virtuous life, to doing good in the lives of others. Because we're all going to have the times where we felt like we were used or taken advantage of or whatever, and we had a good heart uh, to, to help somebody, especially in this context, a believer. So Paul is addressing both sides of the equation. He says, don't give up. So what is, what is the bottom line? If you and I are going to be in a place to set healthy boundaries when they are needed, especially in relationships where you know people and it's a harder thing to do, it's going to take discernment. Discernment about what? about the person is this a pattern or is this just a momentary failure 
Is this a pattern in life that I need to address for my own sanity, if nothing else, but potentially for their good as well? Number two, check your heart. Don't let your experiences with people stop you and warp you. They, they, listen, this is another freebie, but the reason it'd probably not be a good idea for me to be in charge of our, of our benevolence ministry in this church is because somebody would just have to walk in with a couple of kids and tell me some story that, that could be totally fabricated, and I'll give away the farm because they're going to tug on my hearts and they're going to get it. But after that happens a few times and I realize I've been duped, you know what I'm going to turn into? Something as hard as a rock. So, so he's saying guard your own heart in the process. Don't stop doing good because of a bad experience or even two bad experiences. Be wise, be discerning, and set boundaries, and you'll avoid some of those experiences. But nonetheless, don't be afraid to do good. So it takes discernment. Now, here's the fun part. Look at verse 14. If you've been sleeping, wake up. Been taking a nap, wake up. Because the second part is tough love. If, again, if you're a parent, it's a given you're going to need to practice tough love on occasion, is it not? And so Paul is saying, now here's the action. Here's where it gets hard, but here's where it's really important. Look at verse 14. He wraps it up by saying this, take special note of anyone who does not obey the instruction in this letter, in God's word. And so he's, it's a pattern. It's not, again, a happenstance. It's not just something that happens, but it's a becoming a norm. And then he says, look at this, do not associate with them. And then he tells you why in order that they may feel ashamed. Now stop. That sounds like we're playing God again in our own language, but that's not what he's saying. First of all, when he says, let's look at the action, and we'll go to the heart behind the action. When he says, do not associate with them, he is saying that the word literally means don't mix together. In other words, don't continue a close friendship with a person that continues to live in contradiction to Christ and God's word. You need to create some space between you and that person because it will affect your life, not just their messy life. Their mess will become yours if there are no boundaries at some point. He's not saying cut them off. He's not saying get rid of them. He is saying create some healthy space between their mess and your own life. Don't let their mess become your life. So when he says do not associate, he's saying don't continue a deep friendship with them as long as that's going on. And the reason is he wants them to feel what? Feel ashamed. Now listen, that we, in our culture, we think that's a bad thing. That is not a bad thing to feel ashamed. In fact, more people need to feel ashamed, right? Come on, including believers. And this word, listen, the word feel ashamed literally means to turn inward for the purpose of reflection and change. That's the goal. They're hoping that they won't be enabling this behavior that has continued for years in some cases, for a long period of time, in some cases in, in these lives, in these people's lives. Help them grow up. And it means to cause them to reflect in order to change their behavior. It means to become self-aware. So in other words, as long as I keep walking down and playing the same game with the person, I'm not helping them, I'm enabling them. I'm not loving them. We think it's love because it feels easier for us, right? But it's not love. In Christ, his word, Paul, is calling for tough love when it is needed. Not judgmental love. There's no such thing as that. But there is a such thing as tough love. If, if you've got somebody that's destroying their life, don't participate. 
Don't enable them to, and that's hard in some cases, is it not? Because you care about the person. But Paul said it is for that purpose, to help them inwardly reflect and to become more self-aware. And how do I know that it's not judgmental? Look at verse 15. Look at what he says. When he says, practice tough love, he then says this. Yet, and he's talking to the mature believers, the ones setting the boundaries. Yet, do not regard them as a what? As an enemy. But warn them. Say something. Speak into their lives. Warn them as you would a what? Fellow believer as somebody that's a part of your family. This is not somebody you're trying to get rid of. It's somebody you're actually trying to love and help and be a help in their lives. So Paul, in essence, is telling us the two steps involve the two things that are required in order to set healthy boundaries when it is needed. The hard stuff is, number one, discernment. Discernment about the person, discernment about yourself. And number two, he's telling us it requires tough love. Sometimes you have to have the hard conversation if you really are being inspired by Christ to love somebody. It is not always loved to ignore. It is not always loved to let it just kind of blow by and continue. Sometimes we've got to say something. Y'all are really quiet on this one. It's hard. Jesus doesn't say this is going to be easy. He says it's going to be right. It's going to be the best choice. The best choice is not always the easy choices, right? I love this story I just ran across this week. Uh, a lady named Mary Tom, Thomas, and I don't know all the circumstances behind her life, but she was a single mom living in a tough neighborhood in Chicago, the west side neighborhood of Chicago, with a lot of crimes and gangs and all that stuff. And she was left to raise on her own nine kids seven of which were boys. And it says in the article that those boys tested the limits of her patience on more than one occasion, to say the least. Well, one day in 1966, this is some time ago, she opens the front door and she sees 25 street thugs out of a gang called the Vice Lords that were sitting on the stoop in her front porch, in her front yard, in her area, she opens the door and see the, sees these 25 teenage street thugs that are part of this gang. And they made it pretty clear they're there to recruit seven, her seven boys and her family into their gang. She said, oh, okay, wait, a, wait just a moment. So she shuts the door. And when Mama Thomas came back, she had a double-barrel shotgun pointed right at the gang. And she informed them that the only gang that matters in this house is the Thomas gang and you can go now. And they wisely left. I would say Mama Thomas just drew some boundaries, wouldn't you? Mama Thomas made sure that all nine of her kids made it to high school graduation and didn't join any gang. And it started with her willingness to set healthy boundaries when those were needed. Every single one of them graduated and went on to live productive lives because of the love and the effort of this, this, this mother and at times was willing to set the healthy boundaries, even with her kids, much less with the world. You might recognize the name of one of those sons. He was a pro basketball player and Hall of Famer named Isaiah Thomas, whose life was changed because this one woman was willing to do what was right, even when it was hard. 
And I don't know about you, I raised three kids with a wife, much less nine all by myself in a neighborhood ridden with gangs. I can't imagine what the commitment had to be for that, right? But God will honor the choices we make when we make them inspired by Christ. And what I want you and I to notice as we wrap up this morning is simply this. Healthy boundaries, when needed, are not only necessary, but they're good. They're not only necessary, but they're biblical. They're not only necessary, but they will bring fruit when we choose to obey God's word, even when it's hard to do. Let's pray. Fathers, always we, we are grateful for your, that you love us enough to express the truth and reveal the truth to us. Now the, the choice is ours to make. Do we just simply listen and understand or do we choose to respond? And I pray that myself included, that when the time comes and it is needed to have the hard conversation, that we will do that. That, that through your inspiration, through your conviction from who Christ is in us and through your word, that we will choose to respond to the truth, live the truth, not just know it. So, Father, give us clarity when it comes not only to this world, but, Father, give us clarity when it comes to our own relationships with one another. Give us clarity within the body of Christ as well. And give us the willingness to do what you call us to do. Father, thank you that you don't ask us to do these things in our own strength, but you empower us, your presence. You walk right beside us every step that we need to take, whatever that step may be. So I pray that we'll trust you enough to do and not just know. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.